Hello and welcome to Stay Paid. My name is Septon Eisenhart and with me as always is Reminder Media Company President Luke Akery and the Vice President of Marketing Joshua Stike. And today we are going to be talking about email follow-up. So this is a situation where somebody emails you in some way or they request more information and you have to respond to them in a way that's going to get you at the very least an appointment. So today we're going to talk about all that. Yeah, what's up, everybody? It's good to be back on the podcast. We've been talking about, you know, we went on this journey of like landing pages. And how to design a landing page to get the lead. That led us into these follow-up sequences, I guess, as you would state it. My frustration is, and today's on the podcast, we're going to talk about email, as Sefton said. But my frustration with email is that I know it's cost-effective because in my own business, I've seen, obviously, you don't have to pay a lot for email. Maybe you're paying you know, $39.99 a month or something like that for an email provider or someone to help you with your newsletter. But it's really cost-effective. But the frustration is... I feel like the return on investment or the rates you get of actually people looking at your email is so low. And so what I want to really discuss on this podcast is just, you know, how do you write an email, especially for a lead that comes in? How do you write an email that's actually going to resonate with them, that you actually get them to open it and not only open it, but take action on it? Now, Josh, I know you were talking before we came on the podcast about some stats mm-hmm. that I thought were, you know, I guess backing up my point of the frustration of email. But read some of those stats to the people listening. Yeah. So I think part of the frustration comes in with just how many emails we get, how many emails you can send versus what your results may be from that, because people tend to look at the unopens, right? So you look at the opens, like, man, 20% open rate, this is killing me. Why can't I get more people to open my email? Why can't I get more to click through? The reality is that all of us uh, know this pain is that we all receive as office workers 121 emails a day. There's over 260 billion emails being sent each day with only (laughs) 3.7 billion email users worldwide. So that just shows you the the saturation that is happening in that messaging. Well, what's interesting is like, and I find this my, uh, to be true about myself, and I don't know if you guys uh, back this up with what you do, but in every email application now, they're even designed this way to where they literally, you read the subject line and you read the first sentence or whatever your email, like it's I have an email application text, right? up in front of me right yeah. now, and I can see the subject line yeah. and I can see like that first little sentence mm-hmm. And that's all I read to determine, what you say, 121 emails? 120 emails. Yeah, 120 yeah. emails. That's all I use to determine whether or not I'm going to open this yeah. or not. And there's some tricks that you can use. Like, I don't know if anybody has seen people send them an email with the reply already in the subject line, <laughs> even though you've never talked to them before. You have the reply. Yeah, re-read yeah, forward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so they do it. The ones that get me, though, are not the ones that are just reply. It's the one that has multiple right. replies because yeah. I'm like, oh man, this is probably from a conversation really long ago that I forgot <laughs> about. Then I open it and I'm like, ah, dang, I got bait and switched. Yeah. And then at that point, they, you know, that's maybe leads us into this kind of how do you craft an email well, to and, get people to read it? Yeah, and just to talk about the return on investment, I mean, the campaign monitor put out some stats last year that says that email um, is the king of marketing with 4,400% return on investment, meaning that for every dollar you spend in email marketing, you're going to earn $44. So that really kind of um, what we'll do is as I think we work through this, we'll start looking at how do you measure your results and how are you measuring your revenue from your email marketing. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it starts with how are you writing that subject line? How are you crafting? And that first that first line that you see under the subject is called your pre-header text. Okay. 
putting time and thought into what that is going to say is going to help open um, or in- improve your open rates. You know, I always compare, as you guys know, because, you know, I love the phones. That's where I started. So I'm more kind of focused and my brain always goes to comparing it to the sale and learning the sale and, and whether you're in a presentation or you're in, you know doing a phone pitch. And the key to your pitch is actually the preparation you do beforehand. And I would apply that same thing to the successes we've seen in our emails is really the first bullet point I would make for this podcast is you need to be doing your research before you actually send out this email. So a lot of times people will just write an email and send it without doing some just basic research that will help them craft that pre-header text, as you said, Mm -hmm. in that subject line, because you can I guess maybe even social hack, as I would call, doing a little bit of research. So an example I would give you is like my LinkedIn. So you can go to my LinkedIn. If you're trying to get in contact with me, you can go to my LinkedIn or my Instagram. Follow me if you're not following me. It's at Luke Akers. I have to plug that. Get on there. Yeah, get on there. So um, follow me on Instagram and you can see what I'm posting, right? And what I'm liking. And from there, guess what you can do? You can social hack me or I'm not sure if that's the proper terminology for it. You can butter you up. Yes, you can can read into what I like and what I dislike. And you can put that in your subject line or your pre-header text. And LinkedIn is famous for what it created with going the connections, right? I'm connected to Josh, which allows me to introduce myself to Sefton and going, hey, Sefton, I actually noticed you're friends with Josh as well. Well, Sefton's going to pay attention because he is friends with Josh. Well, if I was writing an email to you, if you were a lead for my business, the first thing I would do, the first email I would send is, hey, Luke, saw your latest above the noise video. There you go. Right? Yep. Because I know that's something you're putting out weekly. You're obviously passionate about it. How can I make sure that I use that as a way to start a conversation? Flattery. Flattery is amazing (laughs) way to to say, hey, I just listened to the podcast. You requested that I follow you on Instagram. I immediately followed you on Instagram. Correct. I liked every single one of your posts. Because, guys, I'm human. I put my pants on the same way as everybody else. So all these people you're trying to reach out to is they are doing these things for a reason. And if you can butter them up, use flattery, whatever it is, in your research, that's going to help you. Other forms of research that I would make the point of is that ultimately people buy from you because you're solving a pain for them. Right. You are helping them with a value proposition that solves a pain point for them, obviously generates a return for them. So that research, you really need to make sure you've tapped into what that pain is. Yeah. What is it that's going on in that person's life right now? What's the target audience that you're trying to reach? Yeah. So, I mean, the examples before were kind of if you're working B2B, because you can look at LinkedIn, you can look at what they're saying. If you're doing B2C, exactly what you're saying. You want to go check out their Facebook pages, their Instagrams. You don't want to say, hey, I saw that, um, love the picture of your dog. or yeah, Don't you know, big start, brother them. Right. But if, if you look at their age range, right, and you kind of put them into sort of a segmentation there and you're selling real estate, right, you can say, we know how challenging it can be for millennials to own homes today. You're immediately connecting with their pain point, And that's all based on the fact that you went, you just kind of did a little bit of research beforehand. We work with many first-time home buyers. That would be another example of an email subject that you could use that if I was in that situation would immediately catch my attention. I have a young family, you know, so there's some opportunities there. Now you're putting this into an email, not saying, Hey, I know you have a young family, right? I know you have two young children. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to read it just because I'm worried. <laughs> but what you want to do is you want to sprinkle that into your copy so yep. that it looks natural. It looks like I work with a lot of different families. Yep. One of my specialties is families with young children looking, yep. you know, thinking about moving school districts and what the struggles are there. You can use that and then not come across. Creepy. Well, one of the things we, uh, teach our sales reps to do after they've had a conversation with somebody in the follow-up is 
companies to create a custom subject line for their follow-up. And what we mean by that is we always use the example of a Frank the Fat Pug. And, and that's uh, the idea was when you're calling that person, you're talking to them, you basically at the end of your conversation go, hey, I want to keep in touch with you through email. You know, I want to follow up, but you probably are like me and you get so many emails a day, you probably are just deleting them, ignoring them, not paying attention. I don't want to get lost in that spam. You know, I want something that would really get your attention, something that's important to you. Do you have like a pet or something that I can, right. you know, maybe put in a subject line? And so what we would do is, you know, someone would say, hey, yeah, I have a pug named Frank and, you know, he's a fatty or whatever. And so you would put in your subject line, you know, Josh, Frank the fat pug wants you to read this. And so imagine getting that a month from now, you're going to open it because it is, you know, something that's, I guess you've done your research, but more than that, you've really connected with them personally. Mm -hmm. And so one of the points that you made, Josh, which really leads us to the second bullet point, which is, you know, when we talk about follow-up to a lead specifically, which is kind of what this podcast is about with emails, what we talked about with the phone call is a common, common mistake is people don't answer the request. They don't answer the question that that person was wondering. So this is what triggered it in my mind when you were saying, basically talking to their pain point of, I know it's hard for millennials to purchase their first home or whatever it is. What you're doing is you're speaking directly to them. So it's key in your email. And I'm not sure if you would suggest this in the pre-header text or not, Josh, you can give your opinion. But in your email, you want to make sure you're answering their inquiry, mm -hmm. whether that's a home estimate, something about the community community information, maintenance steps, whatever it is, whatever they requested from that landing page, you need to make sure you get that out right away. Otherwise, they're going to delete it. Yeah. And also, I think the important thing there is to also, while you want to answer the question, you you do want to create some intrigue. Okay. Um, you know, so one of the one of the ideas that you could do for something like that would be if they're, if you are, um, if they've done like a free home value, you know, market assessment or whatever, you can say like, hey, I just finished researching the value of your home, but I have one quick question. What's the best number to reach you at? It. So it shows them that you're working on it, but it's giving you that opportunity to say, oh, what's the one quick question? This will take only a second to answer. Um, and then there's other ways to kind of make sure that you're getting them the answer, but still opening up to that next, that next level. So I, um, one example that we've used in the past was try and qualify them with an A or B answer, right? So they okay. have to answer A or B, multiple choice. They can't respond back with a no. They also feel compelled, you know, to give you an answer. So if they're looking for um, a new home, you know, answer the question, but then say something like, are you an HDTV junkie looking for your fixer upper or are you looking for something move-in ready? Yeah, it's so creative And right there, too. you just have a way for them to say, oh no, you know, we really, we love, you know, yeah, yeah. Chip and Joanna. We want to fix who, up our Who doesn't home. love Chip and Joanna? Because <laughs> if you don't love Chip and Joanna games, just don't listen to our podcast because they're the most likable human beings so on the planet. So you've qualified where they are in the buying process. They're already thinking about this. You know how to start looking for homes for them and you've opened up a dialogue through email, which is one of the hardest things to get people to reply to. It's always amazing to me because we, when we were talking about the cold calling, it was the same type of idea. So you you, really what we're saying, it's it's human psych psychology is really what it is. It's how human beings respond to things. And because in the cold calling, we talked about never end with a statement, always end with a mm -hmm. question. It's that same type of idea that A and B. So 
you do you want to give them some intrigue in that pre-header but w- let's talk about the subject line just a little bit more like mm-hmm. can we give some practical tips to people of how to craft a good subject line you know is there anything we've done in the past that we could share with them something that pops into my head right away is the mistake i make all the time with subject lines is i try to fit everything into it yeah so it's like i know that's the only thing they're going to read so i end up writing a really long subject line which ends up hurting you mm-hmm. is what i have found yeah <clears throat> there are some different studies on on how long your subject line should be at the end of the day i would encourage people to not not stress over the length of subject lines okay. because you're going to vary from your mobile devices that are going to give you about 25 characters to your desktop devices that are going to give you about 60 characters it's so variable and there's really no good studies that i was able to find and just through our own a b testing sure. that says the length of the email matters it's really what you hit on there in the beginning which is don't overload it with information that's not going to interest them. Almost don't, don't oversell. Yeah, don't try and put everything in the front first one. The one biggest tip I would give to everyone, because I have gone through this mistake myself, is I love, I love cleverness. Okay. I love clever headlines. I love things that are interesting. I love writing copy. Quit being clever in your subject lines. <laughs> there was a study that said that clear subject lines, on average, garner 541 more responsive than these creative subject lines. So don't. It's think, probably because you have to think about it, and if you have right. to think about something, you're not going to do it. Well, we use email as a tool. You know, it, it's a tool. It's not something that's. It's not scrolling your Facebook feed and seeing kind of a clever ad being, you know, uh, presented right. to you. It's a tool to get through your day. So. You have to answer. You have to be very, very clear in your subject lines, and the stats back that up. That's a great point. Now, what about like emojis in, your, in your subject line? What, what about yeah. putting like an emoji now, in your subject? This is line one of those things where didn't we try that at one we point, did. like in a little American flag on like a Fourth of July <laughs> promo or something? like yeah, that? Yeah, we've we've had a lot of success with it. It's definitely one of those things where it's like ride the trend while it's hot. Keep an eye on it. Make sure it's not. You know, eventually right. it's going to become commonplace. But 56% of brands using emojis in their subject lines have had a higher um, uh, open rate. Uh, and emojis are really simple to see. We've actually personally seen, I pulled this ahead of time, about a 26% increase in our open rates with just, emojis. So just it's not emojis. as high as the industry average, okay. but it's definitely in, impacting our own emails. It makes perfect sense to me because I honestly think one of the main reasons that is, is just because it stands out in that inbox. When you're listing down all your emails, most of them don't have emojis. And then the one that does, what does it do? It, it catches your eye yeah. and you immediately go there. And a quick tip for anyone who's not sure how to put an emoji in a subject line. Yeah. This is a good go to a website to like that. getemoji.com. You can search for any emoji. It'll show you what it looks like on every device. And there's a little button there that just says copy. Go over to your web browser, your webmail, hit paste, and that'll put your emoji right in the Is that the line. same with LinkedIn? You can do that with LinkedIn? Because I was wondering. LinkedIn, that you thing. can do it with LinkedIn. Um, uh, if you're on your phone, you know, obviously yeah. it's got the emoji. Yeah, keyboard. I can do it on my phone. But it's yeah, just if you're on your computer. desktop, you can do the same thing with LinkedIn. Okay, good tip for myself. Yeah. Man. Okay, so anything else with like subject lines that we can think of? Then I want to move to like the opening. I throw one more out there, and you, you, you mentioned this, yep. but just to kind of give a stat that backs it up is personalize your subject line. So Perfect. you said actually getting them to give you some information that you can put in your subject line, but also just put their name in yeah. the subject line. Uh, personalized subject lines get a 29% higher unique open rates. So just putting somebody's name in there, it does have an impact. I know it kind of seems cliche, and we've seen emails like this, and you look at it and be like, I know that's a variable field, Yep, but mm-hmm. it works. It does, so, because it worked on me when we won Inc. 5000. Um, people were sending me emails going, congrats, Luke, on winning Inc. 5000, and I opened them. 
Right. Well, because it was going to my ego, and everybody likes their ego being flattered. But others, <laughs> it, it, you thought it was personal. Well, the you reason it was emails someone congratulating you. The reason they don't get open, and the reason why people get disheartened by the low open rates, is simply because the vast majority are automated. So anything you can do to separate yourself from that kind of robotic just distribution of emails, yeah. even if it is just you know, if a lot of our clients might not have time to necessarily social hack every single person they email. That's not realistic for a lot of people in a lot of industries. But even if you can just do that name, that's the kind of thing that's going to distinguish you from all the other automated emails that people just delete without opening. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And even us, I mean, we have obviously, you know, tons and tons of people on the phone. We're not doing personalized emails every email. We're doing templated emails right. um, a lot of times. It'd be I mean, impossible to do it Yeah, exactly. So you have to still be efficient. That actually leads a good transition into the next points of like opening sentence versus the body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've experienced this, you know, in our own company that we got some writers to write our templated emails, but they wrote it way too, I'm not sure how you classified it, but it wasn't conversational enough. Yeah. And actually, Sefton's yeah. our writer. Um, I was the one who wrote those emails. No, no, no. no. You're the one that And didn't write them conversation. <laughs> oh, the... the uh, <laughs> so... Always room for We ended up passing them to you, actually, Sefton, to do more of a conversational approach. But let's talk about, like, the opening sentence versus the body of the email. Mm-hmm. You said length earlier doesn't really, you don't see really any effect. You can't find any stats to back that up. I feel in my gut, I I don't read long emails though. Like I feel in my own gut. Oh, sure. Gut the the body of the email is definitely going to matter. You want, you do want to be uh, very concise. Uh, we don't have long attention spans. So you want to get right. to the point. You want to give them that next piece of action. Um, one of the things I would say, just to kind of jump back to the pre-header text, and this would be if you're composing an email out of a mail client, it's going to be the first sentence that previews. So if you open up your phone right now, you open up Google, you're going to see the subject line in bold, and then you're going to see a line after that. That's the pre-header text. Uh, if you're using a web, um, you know, uh, a mail client like MailChimp or Drip, there's going to be an actual field that they're going to have sure. you fill out for pre-header text that will, that will not be in the body. Um, and I wanted to look up a couple examples. Um, we've used some in our business, but Derek Halpern uh, had a great one that I just wanted to uh, to uh, give because he, in his subject, he said, how to get your first 100 subscribers. That was the subject of his email. Interesting. That's I want to check that out. That's attractive to me because I'm looking to build my subscribers. <laughs> Remember, at Luke Aker, Instagram, go. The, the <laughs> pre-header text said, got more than 1,000? Open anyway, dot, dot, dot. So he's hitting gotcha. both audiences there with that, and he's using the pre-header text in order to bring that other audience into it. So that's beautiful. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, yeah, that's super clever because that intrigues you to know. Well, uh, first reaction is you turn them off. Second reaction, you're following in that journey. And I guess it also just goes to show that people will give you that time to read your pre-header text. Yeah. Um, so they're going to give you that scan, time. So it's scannable. You, right. right. You want to yeah. make sure that you're speaking directly to the pain, speaking directly to the curiosity or yep. intrigue to get them hooked. When you go into your body, mm-hmm. what I always appreciate about an email is when it doesn't give me any fluff right. and when it literally speaks to exactly why they reached out exactly what they're offering, and then exactly what they want me to do next. And I'm kind of, you know, bringing in the CTA into this, but I really like it when I read an email that I don't have to learn. I don't care about your story. Like, I don't care that you're Josh Dyke, the vice president of marketing at Reminder Media. I just wanted to introduce myself to say hello. I've been following you for a while. I I don't care. You got, you literally took my 
10 seconds I was giving you are, it doesn't take me that long to read it, but that whatever, well, one second, two seconds I was giving yeah. you, and I spent it reading about who you are versus of why you reached out to me, right. what you offer me, and, and what I should do next. Yeah, I mean, checking email is a complimentary action. So what we mean by that is people are checking their email while they're watching TV. People are checking their email while they're in bed. They're checking their email on vacation. Yeah, that's a great point. They're not sitting down with the sole intent to say, okay, I'm going <laughs> to sit down and check all of my emails and read all of them very and carefully. And have conversations And with consider people. which ones yeah. I'm going to respond to. So it's overwhelming. As a matter of fact, 63% or 69% of people are checking their email while watching TV. So you have to be crystal clear in all of these points. You also want to... You can use a narrative and you can also be humorous because that's something that is going to catch your attention. You want to do those things that are going to make those ears perk up, make those those eyes kind of stay on the email a little bit longer. Um, but if you're if you are writing your emails, make sure that you're thinking about the people that are reading them. Don't think about you, the person who's writing them. Yep. Think about how do you what emails do you like? What emails catch your attention? And then use some of those tips in your own email. Would you say, page. like, in Sefton, maybe you can speak to this, would you say you should be informal in your experience? Is it better to write your emails a little bit more informal? I know personally that's my preference. Uh, but, you know, in a kind of our experience of writing emails, would you say that writing it more conversational, more informal has proven better or more just literally bullet-pointed and almost like, professional, I guess, as I would say. I mean, it always, it, and this is like a political answer, but it always harkens back to knowledge of your audience. So sure. you're going to want to know who your audience is, but obviously informal, I think, is always going to be better because it's conversational. So it's going to get the person to actually interact with the email and feel as though they're talking to a real person. I'd say the primary goal of email when you're sending it out is you want to do everything in your power to make it seem as though you sat down and wrote that email to that specific person. If that makes sense. Yeah, so it you do not want to sound yeah, you don't want to sound like a robot. So but if let's say you can't do that because frankly speaking, most people just simply don't have the time to do that level of personalization, that's when it becomes important to lead with value and do as what you guys yeah. both said, which is get to the point, but also give the person something. If they're if you give them something in that first email that they do open then they're going to open your second, they're going to open the third because they got something. This, this also comes down to the design of the email as well. So we're talking a lot about the, the copy right now. Right. Um, one of the things to think about is we, we love doing design, so we would do a lot of HTML-based emails with images. Sure. Mm -hmm. We found that plain text versus those HTML emails with images would actually get about 51% fewer clicks. Um, the inverse of that, I'm sorry. The okay. HTML-based ones with perform images fewer. would perform 51% fewer gotcha. clicks. Um, and it's just because, so there's two factors that are playing into that. Number one, it feels like a brand or Correct. a company. It doesn't feel like a, a person. Right. It doesn't feel like a person, and that's what people are looking for. And then number two, you actually experience a lower open rate when your uh, emails have HTML because... Uh, Programs like Gmail are going to see that as promotion, right? And it's going to mm. put it in the promotions tab versus if you write a plain text email. So that's another idea. I compare it to literally being scripted versus just being authentic yeah. when you're yeah. on the phone. If you're scripted, people can see it. And I shared this with a realtor I was talking to on the phone I, just literally a couple of weeks ago saying one of the keys to success, I used to be so professional. Now when I talk to executives, I mean, you can own a company, a multi-million dollar company. And on the phone call, maybe this is crazy, 
but I'll be saying dude and freaking and stuff like that <laughs> because I, it's just a natural way of who I am as a personality, and people relate to that. You know, they ha- they are in the real world too. It versus me just being super professional and polished. Now, obviously, you got to choose your time. And There's place. a handful of industries where that kind of like suit and tie mentality it's still work. very much is good, but for the most part, people just want to talk to a human being. So let's get then to the main point of your email which is getting people to take action. And obviously you call it your CTA. You know, we've always been telling people you should really have only one CTA on your landing page, one CTA in your email. You don't want to confuse people. Something I, when you mentioned I- images, made me think of is we've seen success in a text-based email, but that has a picture of the person we're sending it to. So you guys all know mm-hmm. that are listening to this, we do American Lifestyle Magazine. It's one of our main products. Well, what we do, and when we send an email to a lot of prospects, is we'll put their picture in the email we send them to say, hey, would you like to see how you look on American <laughs> Lifestyle? Yeah. We get a lot of success with that. Not surprisingly. Um, so, and that's kind of our CTA. But let's talk about CTAs. Any tips we can give them when they're designing their emails to get people to take action? I mean, I would say, like you mentioned, the single call to action, and this this is something you're going to want to test. Everything that we talk about, you're going to want to test because it's going to depend on your audience. It's going to depend on your email. It's going to depend on your um, your message. And but, please write those, what your findings are in our podcast. Go to statepaypodcast.com. Yeah. The only reason I cut you off and say that is because that's what this is all about. We want to share with you what we've done, but we want to hear if you go and actually do the research and send an email and have success, write that. If you go and do it and say, it freaking didn't work, write yeah. that. We want want to know just so we can start going, wow, look at the industries and what's happening out there in this ecosystem. So just to give you an an example of context, and I'll use our own marketing because it's the easiest thing for for us to kind of describe. But if we are doing some sort of promotion or, um, or a special offer, right, it's a single call to action. Every single link goes to the same landing page. That landing page has a single call to action. Your hero image, which is the image at the top of your email, your link within the email, and your button at the end of the email all All filter into the the same same action. Because there's... It is what we are trying to accomplish. There's nowhere else that we want to take the reader. Right, we have one goal. The likelihood is that's all that they want. And also, you know, yeah, I just want to get the fifty percent off. I just want to get the deal, whatever it is. If you're trying to nurture a lead and you're trying to get them into your site or your um, your thought leadership, like we would be doing test multiple links. And this is something that we're actually going to start testing soon because one of the stats that I found was that um, the click-through rate uh, actually continues to increase as you add unique links to your email until you get to about 11. Really? 11 links. It continues to, it starts at like seven and a half percent and then it goes up to, it's like a 300% increase in your click-through rate once you get up to 11 links. Once you hit 11, there's really no statistical difference beyond that. But that's what we're going to try because we have a lot of we have a lot of um, uh, thought leadership content, and yeah. content to offer to people yep. that hopefully is just helping their business. And that's ultimately you we want to help people grow their business. And if we already have them as a lead, we don't need to get them to another form. Correct. We just want to see yeah. if there's a way that we can help them and start that conversation. And, and I should even I mean, this is so practical of an example. As you said that, I think of our top closer. Mm-hmm. that we have in this company. His name's Jeff Todd, by the way. <laughs> Jeff. But Jeff, he is not, I mean, this is a guy who's not technologically savvy. He's not like a guru when it comes to marketing. No offense, Jeff, if you're listening to this, but he's an unbelievable oh, he's listening. Meth- yeah, methodical closer. I mean, he is just unbelievable at it. But you know what he's doing? 
he is copying and pasting tons of different links and emails. Yeah. And which makes me think when you say that point, and I'm literally having this epiphany on the call, yeah. because what he does all day is actually get people to close. He's naturally doing it because he's seeing success with it, not because he's actually A-B testing. or t- <laughs> He literally wouldn't do it's something gut, that right. did not actually produce results. So that's a practical just what you said is yeah. actually playing out true on our sales floor. And I didn't think and about it until you said it. So Jeff's, who he is targeting and who he's working with are people that he has spoken with before. Correct. And these are, these are managers of offices where he is trying to create a relationship and oftentimes going back out to speak with them again. Right. So having those ability that ability to include new content keeps that person engaged and says, "Oh, this is something new that I can learn from this." And it's just um, it's a way to show that you're thinking about the person getting the email. I love it. So it's like really two different points. One is, is if you have one single purpose, one single goal, you're offering like a promo, you're answering a specific question, right. you know, whatever it is that drew that lead in, you want to make all your email CTA all point to that. So it's very clear, easy to go to. If you're trying to keep the relationship, you already have the lead. If you're trying to get people just continually engaged, do multiple links up to 11. Is what you're saying. It's worth a shot. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. And if you have the email, I think one of the important things is that you already have their contact information. And as a result of that, if you get them to fill out the lead form again, you're just going to frustrate them and you'll lose them forever. And also one thing that Steve Acre says is that you're not really going to sell anybody through an email. Yeah, that's If that makes truth. any sense. You're like not nobody, selling homes. You're not selling insurance. Nobody reads an email and is like, I'm ready to buy. I'm right. ready right now to buy. Maybe an item from Amazon, but outside of that, it's just not going to happen. Whereas usually not in the service sales based industry. Yeah, you have to think about what you want. And basically you want to get closer to them. You want to get them on the phone or you want to set some kind of an appointment. All right. So now that we've talked about like call to actions, right? So you're trying to get your people to take action. That's the whole point of this is to capitalize on a lead and get them to take action by purchasing something from you. You know, what are some of the, I guess, metrics that you should be tracking with your emails? What should you be looking for? I know you have things like click through rate. You have things like impressions, all these things. What is something, Josh, that you would say that as we've done our email marketing, what is it that you watch on a daily, weekly basis? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the four most important important email marketing metrics that you're going to be wanting to look at. One is your CTR or click-through rate. What this number means is for everyone who was delivered an email to, it's the number of people who then clicked through your email to go to your, uh, to go to the links that are in the email. That's like the gold standard right there. That's one of the top things to look through. The other thing you can look at that is similar to that is going to be your CTO, which is your click to open. So what your CTR is going to do is going to give you an overall health of your email list. It's going to say out of out of the hundred people I emailed to, ten people opened it, or ten people opened it and clicked through the link. So I have a ten percent CTR. Your CTO is your click to open. So this would be out of the hundred people that opened it, uh, that received it. 10 people opened it and one person clicked through it. So you have another, you have a 10% It's kind of how you can well. judge what we were just talking about with like your subject lines, your pre-header text, like your right. click to open yes. is ju- you're, you're judging your subject line and your pre-header text, but your body of your email and your call to action is judged by your click through rate. Uh, opposite of that. Opposite. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the same. And this is, this is where it definitely gets confusing. This sure. is not uncommon at all. This is where we see with our digital edition, we have customers calling in because they're like, I don't understand. This looks really low. Um, why are we getting, you know, a 15% click through rate? But sure. then we go and pull it up and say, well, wait a minute, you're actually getting a 50% click to open rate. That means that out of everyone who has opened your email, 
half of them have clicked through gotcha. to your digital edition. I see what you're saying. Yep. Okay. So what this can tell is that's why I said your click through rate's more indicative of the overall list health because you may be sending email to people who don't check their email. Correct. Right. Yeah. Or you may be sending email to people where their your email is getting filtered into another folder or something that they're not looking at. So that's where you want to look at um, your open rate. Right. If your open rate is um, around twenty percent, you know you're doing pretty good. Right now we're averaging about forty percent on our emails over the last week. So that's that's exciting for us. Because it means that we're sending out content that people are opening, they want to receive, and it's getting to the right people. Um, the other two things that you want to look at then are your conversion rate and then ultimately your ROI. So your conversion rate is going to be linked to that CTO, how many people that are opening my email are clicking through, and then how many are converting on the web page that I'm taking them to. Ultimately, then that tracks back to your ROI. right? And just like we talked about in your landing pages, this is all integrated. This all plays together. So start with how many people am I sending an email to, how many people are opening it, how many people are clicking through, how many people are then filling out a form on my landing page, how many people am I getting an appointment with, how many transactions are closing. So just follow through that and you'll be able to, once you have that put together, you can track your own ROI on your email. You can see what you you are earning. And you can understand what it's going to take you to actually hit your goals. Right. This all translates back. Why are you doing marketing? It translates back to you are, You have these goals. You have this revenue goal or this net profit goal that you want to get to 100K a year. Mm-hmm. And you're going, hey, look, I need to generate this many leads from emails. And so if you're tracking all these metrics, you understand how many emails you actually want to send. Right. But, you know, let's dive a little deeper or deeper is maybe the wrong word, but let's talk a little bit more. How do you look to make sure that, like, how do you look at the metrics to go, mm, our subject lines suck or mm, we're doing too many pictures in our emails? Like, is it just your guts? Is it like, what are you using with the team when you're looking at these metrics to go, well, let's try a different subject line instead of changing the body of the email? Yeah. So a lot of that, you know, when looking at subject lines, it's going to be A-B testing. Okay. So if you're using a mail client, you're going to set up two emails or I'm sorry, you'll set up the same email, but then that mail client will usually give you an, um, an option to say A, B, test the subject line. So you'd put one subject line in A, a second subject line in B, and then you'll watch to see which ones get the better results. And typically, it's going to be based on unique uh, click-throughs. Okay. Right? It's going to take it and say, all right, how many people are then opening it and then clicking through? And it'll tend to say, this, this, that's how you'll kind of judge your winner. Um, a lot of email clients will actually say, send the first 20% of emails, and then judge the winner and then send the rest of the emails. That way we can kind of keep an eye and and let the software do its magic to help us pick which one's going to perform the best. Now, just like phone calls, there's, you know, they say like the best days to call. Um, are you guys watching? Because I know we are when we're talking in our meetings and stuff, but the best time to send an yeah. email. So we're B2B. So that that does have an impact, meaning that sure. we, we are emailing other business professionals. Um, and we found that tu- Tuesday mornings... Um, at 10 a.m., you know, typically tend to be the best time uh, a day for us for emails, getting the best um, uh, open rates and click-throughs. Um, but it is so variable. I mean, you can look up sure. a dozen different stats. It's kind of like social media. When's the best time to post on social yeah. media? I've been trying to figure it that out. depends on your audience. <laughs> and the best thing that you can do is just uh, send them and then 
look yep, you know, and watch. watch. Yep. But make sure that you're keeping your variables limited whenever you're trying to make that decision. You know, don't send one email at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, a second email completely different on Thursday at 6 p.m. Yep. and then say, oh, Thursday at 6 p.m. must be the best time if they're not very similar emails. So you want to be consistent with how you're Yeah, it, you, well. you see so many consistent themes as you just look at like everything from making a sales call presentation to doing marketing on Facebook or Instagram to these emails. It so much boils down to your target audience, who you're targeting, and then, you know, obviously testing. Because even on the phone, we test different scripts all the time mm-hmm. to see if we can actually resonate better with this script versus this one. And then once you go, wow, this script seems to be working, what gets affected in that is, well, that script really was working, but it was working because of the audience, not really because of the script. Yeah. And if you are using a list, you know, segment. You have to segment your list. Nobody wants to feel like they're part of a broad, you know, email campaign that isn't targeted towards their needs. Right. Um, And we found in our own things that when we segment our list, we have a hundred percent higher click through rate when we're able to segment our list into different groups versus emailing all of our customers. And you're doing the segmentation based upon the message. You're doing it. Well, you're doing it based on behavior. So we would look at how did they? How did that person get onto our list? Correct. What have they interacted with in the meantime from our content? And then for us, since we sell a product, it's which products do they have and where are they at in their product life? Exactly. Cycle. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. It's like, how yeah. do you reach somebody with the message that is their journey? Yep. You got to reach people on their journey where they're at with that message. So that makes perfect sense. I mean, one to example me. that we do is after each time we have a print magazine. Each time that somebody prints, we'll send a success guide based on the number of prints that they've done. So if they printed once, we give them a success guide on how to follow up with their clients. When they printed twice, we give them a success guide on how to leverage American Lifestyle content for social media. Right. And we have seen our open rates and our click to open rates are the highest on those than any email. Because it's hitting them when it matters. Yeah, when it's relevant, when it's actually relevant. Well, let's talk about the dreaded unsubscribe and spam. (laughs) So, you know, I'm always hearing in meetings that we got this many spam reported. So we need to tell the sales guys, stop putting bad leads on the, you know, the drip, you know, what can people do to, uh, you know, I guess, defend against unsubscribes? Should they even worry about unsubscribes? Spam? Don't defend against unsubscribes. I mean, if you're sending out mass emails, meaning you're sending one email to many people, you have to have an unsubscribe option in your email. Um, It's actually required by Can't Spam. So you need to make sure that if you're using a mail client, you're setting that up and then watch your unsubscribes, but embrace those because all that it's doing is telling you these people aren't interested in hearing from you. And that's it's the qualification. Yeah, okay. view it as a yes. qualifier. Yeah, because that's the whole point of you. You know, we started this podcast saying you get, you're getting leads from a landing page. How do you follow up with those leads? Well, the point of the follow-up is to first phase is to qualify. qualify. Mm-hmm. You want to see, is this a qualified lead or Spending not? Spending your time on the most productive. Embrace the yeah. no's, as yeah. someone would say. Yeah, and email is the most cost-effective way to get the no. If you got to get the no doing something, email is the way to do it. Yep. yep. There you have it, folks. Some tips to make the most of your email marketing. If you like Stay Paid, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review and a positive comment so we can spread this information even further. My name is Sefton Eisenhart. I'm Josh Dyke. And I'm Luke Akery. And the action item for this podcast here is take some time this week and apply the research principle or the point that we talked about in doing some research about your prospect. Find them on LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever you can find them. And you know, use that butter them up or flattery technique 
technique and see if you get a better response and get them to respond by doing the research before you send that email. As Sefton said, please go on statepaidpodcast.com. Give us a comment if you tried this action item. Let us know how it worked for you. Definitely give us a review. We want to spread this around the world and we want to create a great ecosystem where we can all learn. So the difference between a top producer guys and a mediocre producer is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 